everybody. Welcome to the second episode of Pop Goes the Culture. That's right. I thought of a name finally. Um, after much deliberation, I finally settled on that, and I'm very, very happy with it. I made some um, podcast artwork to go along with the podcast on SoundCloud and um, started submitting it to iTunes, so hopefully this is the start of something awesome. Maybe we'll see. But yeah, I've got a lot to talk about today, so let's get started. Um, the first thing I want to touch on is something that actually happened well, technically yesterday, um, because it's almost 2 a.m. on the 20th of May. Um, but yeah, I just, I really wanted to kind of talk about this while it's fresh in my mind, I guess. Um, if you don't know, the trailer for Scorch Trials came out today, um, which is the second installment of the Maze Runner series. Oh my goodness. I, I can't even contain my excitement. And I know I don't sound enthused right now just because I'm not good at vocally expressing my excitement. But my brain is like, what? Um, Also, just to clarify, in case you missed it last episode, I actually haven't read the Maze Runner series. But I hope to have read all of them by the time Scorch Trials comes out. So I will definitely have an understanding of you know, what's true to the book and what's true to, you know, how true the movie is staying to the book. I've read a lot of articles that James Dashner has talked in, and he says that there were a lot of changes made upon his approval, uh, just for the simple, like, flow of the movie and the dynamic of the movie, just to make it more compatible, I guess, with a movie setting, obviously, because there are plot lines that are easy to portray in a book, but may not be as easy to portray in a movie. Um, and I know a lot of book enthusiasts out there will say, well, don't make it into a movie. But, you know, there's a lot of different types of, I guess, aesthetics to please. And um, people that really love the book and want to see it brought to life, it, it's just kind of, I guess, collateral damage. Things are going to be taken out um, for the sake of putting it on the screen. I would pay good money to go to that premiere if they have a red carpet premiere. I guess the main things in the trailer, I mean, hello, <laughs> Dylan O'Brien in the shower. I mean, let's be real. That was probably the main part of the trailer. Um, but in all seriousness, there was so much going on. I believe there was a brief, but albeit present, representation of the cranks if you look closely there also seems to be a bit of a romance going on between dylan o'brien and kaya scotelario's characters thomas and Teresa, which from what i gather is at least somewhat true to the book i think that a lot of readers said that dashner touched briefly on it but it wasn't really a main part of the story um, if I have that incorrect, then feel free to leave a comment and tell me your opinion or whatever you think about um, Dashner's take on their quote-unquote romance. And I also read in an article that he said that there was um, supposed to be this whole telepath- telepathic thing with her, mostly. Um, and then that, that the translation into the movie would have... I think he said that it was going to be changed somewhat, but still staying true and he hopes that it makes the readers happy also i just want to say that the cgi for this film not only this film but for the maze runner as well is in my opinion spectacular 
Um, I've had a lot of first-hand experience with CGI, um, not necessarily doing it, but just seeing it. Um, I took a film class when I studied abroad, and our professor brought in a friend of his who uh, worked at one of the kind of most, I guess, the most important CGI companies based in London, um, and she showed us a lot of the work she had done, and it's so much math, so much art, um, a lot of computer work, and I think it's just amazing what these people can do, um, they, you know, take these green screen shots or, you know, anything really, and overlay cityscapes and, um, I mean, completely change what has been filmed into what the vision is. And I just think that's just beautiful. You know, it's a combination of art and science to create this, you know, scenery. Um, and of course, it, you know, I haven't read the book, so I don't really know what the readers have pictured. But for a dystopian society, I think it, it holds true to what at least I would picture. Among so many other things that happened in the trailer, uh, we had an appearance from Lord Peter Baelish, a.k.a. Littlefinger. Uh, and I just want to say that if he runs Wicked anything like he runs his brothel, those kids are doomed for sure. On an unrelated but related note, uh, there was a video posted of Ki Hong Lee and Dylan O'Brien reacting to the Scorch Trials trailer, which at first I was like, this has got to be like, they're just joking, because surely they've seen it. But as I watched and watched, their reactions were so genuine. And, you know, I was just thinking they probably haven't seen any of this because they're just working on green screen and, you know, constructed sets and stuff, and they haven't seen it all put together like this yet, probably. Um, I'm sure they've seen bits and pieces, but seeing it all together just is so much more rewarding, I hope, for them. Um, to see it all come together. Now, moving on to the second topic of this episode. Last Friday morning, Thursday, whatever you want to call it, James Corden had One Direction on The Late Late Show, which James Corden deserves a round of applause for this entire night, morning, whatever. Because he brought together the fandom in such an amazing way, and he actually asked questions that mattered. He didn't ask the same old repetitive questions, which is just, as an interviewer, is such an important quality. Because, you know, actors and musicians and celebrities of all kinds, they go into these interviews and they are constantly asked the same questions. And I know, like, if you're in a promo time... It's a little bit different because everybody's looking for the same thing. You know, you're selling this this product and stuff. But the boys really aren't in that phase of their year yet. So to go into this interview and have fresh questions and then and talk about stuff that really matters. And James knows what the fans want to hear. It was awesome. There's nothing better than four boys, James Corden, and a load of red dodgeballs. I mean, that had to be the highlight of the entire show. Apart from maybe when Harry chucked his cake pop over his shoulder, I will have a talk with him about that. Not only did James ask all the right questions, but he also brought up the No Control Project, which was awesome. And, you know, to have seen the fandom working so hard to do this for, for Louis and for the boys, 
to get that kind of satisfaction and reward for, you know, having an interviewer bring that up on national television. You know, you know, we do so much work on Twitter and, and you know, Facebook and Tumblr and all that stuff. But to have it come up on national television is a huge thing. And, you know, Louis keeps recognizing it. So that's so awesome. I'm so happy for, for everyone that has been working so hard to do that. Um, make the boys happy and proud. And, of course, there were the tough questions. You know, the questions about... You know, I only see there's four boys on the couch tonight. Um, you know, and he, he brought up Zane, and it was tough. It was, as as much as this fandom has been through and as much as the boys have been through, it's 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 never going to be an easy topic, I don't think. Um, and I know there's, there's frustration and there's sadness and there's all these different emotions. And, you know, personally, it I am kind of frustrated with the situation and with how things were handled, I guess. Um... But it still hurts to see the boys hurt. Um, and during that whole segment where James was asking Louie about the whole tiff on Twitter, it was kind of... I had a hard time believing that everything was okay. Um, I think Louie has kind of a way of reacting to things when he's kind of guarded. Um, just from what I've seen in the past. Um, I could be wrong. I could be completely wrong. But it just it seemed like not everything was okay. And and that doesn't surprise me because there's going to be things that are not going to be okay for a while. But that's all I'm going to say about that. You know, it's not fun to talk about. But for now, I think, you know, we have to just wish the best for the boys and still support them. I mean, <laughs> I'm going to Baltimore in August and no one can stop me. Now on to the third topic of this episode, which is the Billboard Music Awards. Um, if you didn't see it, they were this past Sunday. As always, full of excitement and good performances and great awards. Some of the biggest winners of the night were, no surprise at all, Taylor Swift took home eight awards. Um, among those awards were Artist of the Year, Top Female, and 1989 um, took the award for Top Billboard 200 Album, which are three of the biggest Billboard Awards. Um, Sam Smith took home three awards, which were Top Male, Top New Artist, and Top Radio Song Artist. Um, so huge congratulations to him. He absolutely deserves it. He's worked his butt off this past year. Um, and then, of course, One Direction took home two out of four of their nominate nominations. Um, and those awards were Top Touring and Top Duo Group. So obviously... Huge love to them. They absolutely deserve it. And, I mean, to be honest, they were in the um, running for top artist. And I saw the nominations. I was like, for sure, Taylor's going to win. I mean, as, as much as I wanted One Direction to win, with the year that Taylor has had, there was no way. I mean, she's had an amazing year. And, um, you know, she absolutely deserved every award she received. I'm not going to delve too much into performances, but I just wanted to make um, a huge shout out to Tori Kelly because I think she did fabulous in her performance. And I think that she was by far, if not the best performance of the night. And I think it just goes to show not only her, but Ed Sheeran as well, that a person and a guitar can be so much more vocally pleasing and entertaining 
than a huge show. Not saying that I don't, I'm not entertained by those huge dance numbers and pyrotechnics and all that stuff. Um, but I think, I think it goes to show that simplicity matters in a lot of cases. So huge shout out to her. I, you know, wish the best for her and I think she's going to do big things. For the fourth topic of this episode, I have to, of course, bring it back to Miss Taylor Swift. Um, her Bad Blood music video, which premiered at the Bulwer Music Awards, um, has pretty much taken the world by storm. Um, it was full of CGI, which was awesome, um, and featured pretty much her entire friend group, plus some, among which were Cara Delevingne, uh, Carly Kloss, Ellen Pompeo, um, you know, the list goes on. She has such a strong friend group behind her, um, which I think has, of course, been such a huge thing in, in her success this past, you know, year, two years, I guess. Um, she just has really focused on being around her friends and having a group of people that support her. So yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. Um, I thought it was really well executed. Um, of course, it had such a badass storyline. You know, even for a music video, the CGI was was fairly remarkable. It was kind of funny because I was looking around on social media and I was seeing different arguments that the video was kind of anti-feminist. I don't know. I kind of just read it and then went about my business because I didn't have time for these political arguments. Um, I mean, if that's your opinion, that's fine. But in a lot of cases with entertainment, it's just creativity in, mo in most cases. And I'm just like, it's just a storyline for a music video. Um, they're not trying to make a political statement. And, and yes, Taylor has, you know, always advocated for kind of, you know, feminism and, and standing up for your personal beliefs and yourself. But I just don't think that was... I mean, yes, it was the case in this music video because it was representing women in a strong manner. But, you know, not everything has to be a political statement, I think. And I think people are just getting... They can get too wrapped up in that sometimes and they think everything has to be inspiring and, and have some kind of statement behind it. It's really cool when it does, but it doesn't have to have that every time. Um, as long as it's entertaining, it's going to get views and and if it makes you happy I think that's what's important and obviously this made Taylor happy um so I think that is what important is what is important I have one more thing to touch on um and that is I kind of realized what I could do uh for music recommendations without I guess infringing any copyright things um which is basically just to set up a playlist in Spotify um, and then I can talk about the songs in here and just kind of recommend them and why I like them and what they're from. Um, and then I can link you guys the Spotify playlist because, I mean, I'm just sharing it on Spotify, so it shouldn't be infringing on any copyright issues, um, I hope. Fingers crossed. But that is my tentative plan. So just to talk about my music recommendations and then I'll link you guys the playlist in the... Um, the podcast post and that way you can access the music that I'm talking about. I have three songs that I want to recommend. They are all from uh, Teen Wolf in one way or another. 
Um, I actually listened to a Teen Wolf playlist on Spotify, and I have loved, loved, loved the music that I've listened to. Um, so my three recommendations are Who Are You Really by Mickey Echo. Um, and of course, these songs are probably older. Not old, old, but older. Um, but as you all probably know, I'm always behind the game a little bit. Uh, Cobra Style by Teddy Bears. And then the third one is And If My Heart Should Somehow Stop by James Vincent McMorrow. If you watch Teen Wolf, you might recognize the songs when you listen to them. Um, Who Are You Really it plays when Kate shows um, Allison Derek chained up in the wall. And it's kind of when Allison is walking forward, and that's when that is playing. Um, Cobra Style plays, I think, in like episode one. Um, it's one of the first times that lacrosse is being played, I think. I want to say it's when, um, Scott kind of first realizes his powers and he's, you know, kicking ass, basically. Um, I could be wrong, but I know it's definitely when they're playing lacrosse at, at some point. Um, and I have no idea when the third song is used, but I'm assuming some sort of sad or romantic Part. Um, if you know, feel free to comment um, and let me know when that song is used. So yeah, there is the second episode of Pop Goes the Culture. Uh, feel free to leave comments and feedback. Um, I really want to know what people are thinking and what you want to hear. If you want to hear some, something specific, let me know and I can certainly consider that, um, you know, based on my knowledge and things like that. So yeah, hope you guys have a great life. Here's to awkward endings.